Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you along with David Politis. We're talking about his latest work, Missing 411 Canada. He also has a phenomenal movie out called Missing 411 The Hunted. Uh, David, before the break, I was about to ask you if the animals, the canines that are professionals at what they do for sensing, uh, do they look scared? Do they, you know, run away? You know, the dogs won't run away, but they will come right back to the master and the handler. And in fact, several stories directly from the search and rescue logs talk about the dog coming back and cowering between the handler's legs, which is not normal behavior. And when I've talked to handlers at conferences before, they said, yeah, this is, I, I found three where this has happened to them. And I, I think when you talked about me uh, presenting at the search and rescue conference, these are things that search and rescue people don't like to talk about. And privately, they'll talk about it endlessly, but publicly they don't like to. And at several conferences I've been to, the people have stood up in the middle of, or at the end of the conference after I'm done talking, and they thank me for being somebody who's willing to break and talk to topic where most people won't. And in the, this one conference, these two Alaska State Troopers got up and actually said, hey, this happens more than people want to acknowledge. We found no bodies, we find no tracks, and we found no scent trail. And they said, finally, someone is willing to talk about this. And they said, hey, it's happening in Alaska. We'd like to know where else it's happening. And then we started to talk about the other states that I've written about. Amazing. Well, let's, let's talk about some possibilities, too. Let me throw some things your way, because though you're very hesitant in telling us over the years exactly what you think might be doing it, you do give us the possibilities of what's out there. Let me throw these your way and just tell me if they would be a possibility or not for these missing people. The, the first would be they're, they're merely lost. They vanish, they wander off, and they get lost. Possible? So I think because the search and rescue is so fundamentally structured and thorough that I don't believe this is it. There's too many times where I've written about where the person disappears and the area is put into grids. And these grids are searched multiple, multiple times, sometimes with dogs. Lots of times searchers walk in shoulder to shoulder, and they don't find anything. And then on the eighth or ninth day, they're about ready to pull out. All of a sudden, the body shows up in the middle of the grid where they've searched it multiple, multiple times. This makes no sense. And in fact, it's one of those profile points found in an area previously searched. How the person got there, how they were missed. See, I don't think search and rescue missed them. I think somehow they just arrived back. After the fact. Correct. Yep. Abducted by some person, some serial killer, some sicko out there in the woods. Again, I think the scent trail would be there. I know that tracks leaving the area would be there. Yep. Um, I, people have asked me this before. I, I know in Colorado, I'm in the mountains all the time. I'm one of those guys that carry a gun wherever I go in the mountains. And if something like this happened, I know that there's a large percentage of people in the mountains where I hike that carry guns. You know, there'd be an abductor that was dead. Abducted by a UFO. So that's been brought up to me hundreds of times. Uh, by I, I talk at MUFON conferences all the time, and people bring this up to me all the time. It's not something that I can decline and something I can assume does happen, because most of the time, 
there's something evidentiary that's left behind. But the weird part about the people in the cases I write about, when they're interviewed post-disappearance by the search and rescue people and by law enforcement, they can't remember how they got lost and how they made their way back. And in a large percentage of the cases, this is the, the weird part, is that there's no cause of death in the victims. That's the, uh, that is bizarre. Now, that is when I first started to write about this in my third book, Missing 411, A Sobering Coincidence, I had a series of coroners write to me and talk to me. And in fact, I met with two of them. And they said, Dave, we have nine different coroners that work out of this office, and we regularly have meetings. And we run into this you know, every quarter, every three or four months. And he says, it's bizarre. He said, we don't understand it. We're men of science, ladies of science, and we can't figure this out. Something really odd is happening because people just don't die for any reason. There's always a reason, and we can't figure that out. Jeez. Next possibility, they're snatched by an animal or a Bigfoot-type creature. So one of the, one of the issues that we do in all of the cases before I'll, I'll take them on to investigate them is go through this vetting process. First of all, it's animal predation. So if you go online and you pull the filters off Google or Yahoo and you put in animal predation and look at images, the scene is grotesque. There's blood, there's torn clothing, there's marks across the ground where bodies are dragged. It's an unmistakable scene that someone's been attacked by an animal. You cannot miss it. You can't. There's blood everywhere. It's a mess. Exactly. And when people are attacked, especially near others, they'll scream and they'll yell, and a lot of the cases I write about, the parents say, my child was right there, meaning very close to them. And they said, we didn't hear a sound. We didn't hear anything. Well, let's just say a mountain lion jumped a little boy. They'd be screaming and yelling, and everyone would Oh, know. you'd hear the lion. You'd hear the little boy. Every, it, it would be just horrible. Exactly. So uh, that's animal predation. If there's any mental health issues, we won't work it. Uh, coupled with voluntary disappearance, if somebody just wants to, even an adult, just wants to run away from their and, spouse. And check family. out. That's right. Right. It's not against the law. But we won't work that. And then if there's any evidence of criminal activity, and this is something that Search and Rescue looks for. This is what, what the law enforcement people on scene also look for, is there's something criminal that took place in those mountains. Did the hunter's partner kill him? Did something happen in the mountains they mm-hmm. don't understand? Well, if that was the case, it would be in the reports. And in all my years of doing this, there's only a couple of times where I ever saw that there was something criminal and people were later arrested for it. But any evidence of criminality, we won't work it either. So there's that vetting process that you're looking for to exclude anything that may be a match. Suicide, of course, they'd end up finding the body somewhere, wouldn't they, generally? Generally, yes, that's true. I mean... A lot of times that's a, that's a spur-of-the-moment thing, and other times people really want to go into the backcountry, and there are those instances where they never do find a body. Right. And they know it's suicide because they left a note. That does happen. That's true. Here's my favorite. They are somehow stumbling into a portal or another dimension never to be seen again. That's an interesting one, George. And since I'm a man of science, I believe that we should look into all of these possibilities. Now, I made a uh, two-hour special for the History Channel called Vanished. You can watch it on Amazon right now, I think. And uh, they sent me to Madison, Wisconsin, and I met with a physicist, uh, John Brandenburg. 
And he's we been he's been on the lab. show. Good guy. Good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. We were at his lab at, a, at the university, and we were talking through all these different things. And he said, "Dave, he says people don't understand this, but portals are real." He said, "There's six physicists, five or six physicists that regularly get together, and we talk these things through." And there's a couple of them that are working for other countries trying to weaponize a portal. And what I asked them off camera, and I don't know why this never made the show, but I said, so could portals be directed? Hmm. That's the million-dollar question, Dave. Interesting. And I think this is the important part, George, is that when a small child is near a parent and the parent doesn't see or hear or smell anything, and the child disappears. How can that happen without leaving tracks, drag marks? Exactly, exactly. That's why I think the portal possibility may be the biggest or the best. Well, Brandenburg said, Dave, 100% they're factual. He said, and just as a side note, Brandenburg now works for NASA. So That's right. He's super credible. Uh, And he said, yeah, he goes, all of the cutting-edge theoretical physicists in the world talk about this all the time. And he goes, I I can't tell you more about it because we don't understand a lot about it. But he goes, what you're saying, Dave, is probable. And then, George, I think I've told you this before, but I have a lot of interesting stories that are told to me by people in the woods. And one was told to me last, about three years ago, by a hunter in uh, here in Colorado, and he was hunting up at 11,000 feet in a meadow, and he kind of had his head down. He said and he was getting tired, walking back to his car, going down a trail, and he kind of saw a fog bank or something up in front of him, so he kind of pulled his head up and looked, and he said it was strange. He goes, I kept walking closer to it, and it didn't look like a fog bank. It almost looked like a, a sheet of glass, and he said he slowed <laughs> down as he got close to it, and he goes, darn, if it didn't look like glass, but it also looked like fog. So he picked his foot up, and he put his foot partially through it. And he said, Dave, my, my foot went through, and the part that went through, I couldn't see it. Wow. Like a Twilight Zone movie where you put yeah. your hand in the other dimension. And uh, this guy, he, he works in law enforcement, super credible. And he said, Dave, I turned around, and I, I, I literally ran from there because there was something <laughs> not right. Well, we've just gone through seven scenarios. Are there any others that I'm missing? Oh, I think you've hit all the biggies, George, and those are, I mean, every once in a while, I do get one where people think it's the government, and I don't think that's so obscene. But even if it is, how are they taking them? Well, that's a good point. And when I, in my talks with Brandenburg, he said, you know, Dave, he said, we, got, we talked about all kinds of things for three hours but he, he was talking about Star, Star Trek. And he says, you know, the, the transponders that move people point to point. He said, Dave, I think, he goes, we're not far away from being able to do that now in conventional physics. But he said, who knows if we may be 50 years ahead in another group with advanced science that could do it right now. And when you talk about that theoretical physics, if they could manipulate the human genome like that and move it place to place, then it it could say that our government could be doing this. Well, uh, let's go back to the portal dimensional theory for just a moment. And that is, if they go through these, where do they go to? It's all speculation. And are they still alive or what happens to them? I mean, have they landed in another place? 
where they can eat and, you know, be merry and just simply say, oh, my God, I can't find my way back. So when Skinwalker Ranch was going and uh, the National Institute of Discovery of Sciences had their people on scene with a series of retired right. FBI And our buddy George Knapp was all over that story. Right. They saw a window frame open up on the horizon, something jump out of the window frame, down onto the meadow, and run away. The window frame closes, and the atmosphere and the sky is back to the way it was normally. So in my conversations with Brandenburg, I said, well, is that a portal, or what is that? That's a good question, Dave. What was that? But he goes, we've heard those stories hundreds of times from other people. So what could that be? Bizarre. And, you know, you just mentioned something about directional portals, if you can direct them. What if there are beings, some kind of beings, in these other dimensions, and they're grabbing these people for whatever reason through these directional portals? Let's pick up this kid. Let's pick up this guy. Let's pick up this woman. And they aim this this portal to them, and they stumble into it, and they keep them. Well, I, I remember John Mack, the psychiatrist from Harvard University. God rest his soul. Oh, he was a great guy. And uh, he did research into abductions. And Dr. Mack came back with the reality statement that, hey, these are real. These people are going through something that the general public doesn't want to acknowledge. And he almost lost his tenure at Harvard because he attacked a very unconventional topic very conventionally. So I, I think that all these things, George, are kind of open game until somebody with great knowledge beyond us comes forward and explains how it's being done. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.